Imagine you're taking a walk on your favorite forest path. You're surrounded by trees and there's a beautiful blue sky peeking through the leaves, while a brook scurries through the woods a little to your left. You take this hike every day, sometimes several times a day, and you cherish every moment spent exploring this world. After a while, you become so accustomed you could walk the path blindfolded. You know every rise and fall of the terrain, every root poking through the ground, and every tree whose branch must be brushed aside as you continue on. But after decades of walking this path, you find it is no longer the beloved retreat it once was. The familiarity becomes foreboding. You begin to dread every step. And to make matters worse, you find it can't be avoided. You're compelled to enter the forest and walk the path day in and day out. Welcome to Police Burnout. It's time to start telling our own stories. I'm Steve Kellums, and welcome to Blue Canary. Now, the analogy is the best way I can describe the feelings you get as a career you once cherished becomes one of those nightmares where you're being chased by something horrible you can't see and you feel trapped. The hardest thing I ever had to do as a cop, it wasn't deadly force encounters. It wasn't dealing with the horrors one person does to another. It wasn't testifying against other officers. It was putting on my uniform and coming to work. That was the hardest thing I ever had to do because it was the last thing I wanted to do. It wasn't one thing that caused my crisis of faith. It was many things building up over a period of time. My physical fitness declined, and with it went my emotional and mental fitness. I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I had help. All those little things that build up on the job, the horrible calls, the stress, the adrenaline, it can take a toll on you. The cumulative effects of being a cop can cause a lot of pain. When you add personal issues to the mix, things like problems at home or, in my case, problems at the station house, it can be like throwing gas on a fire. We spend a lot of time training officers on how to handle things. And by things, I'm referring to those concrete skills that officers need to do every day. We have days, if not weeks, dedicated to physical tactics, firearms use, the traffic stop, criminal code, domestic violence response. You get the idea. We even break things down into what forms need to be completed and where paperwork needs to be turned in. What we don't do a very good job with is preparing them for the emotional impact a career in law enforcement brings. Stephanie Samuels is a psychotherapist and post-traumatic stress disorder expert who focuses on issues in law enforcement. People falsely believe somehow or another that cops are wired differently, that they can handle this and fill in the word this with anything, with a fatal motor vehicle accident of a child, with bad burns, with heart attacks, with it doesn't make a difference. Through her research, Stephanie discovered that cops only talk to other cops about their struggles, igniting the idea for Copline. Copline is a 24-7 hotline that officers can call for help, help not likely found at the station. As the founder and president of Copline Incorporated, she works with retired officers, training them to work with active law enforcement. The men and women now serving on the phones at Copline can navigate the emotional strain officers are under, since they can relate. That the reason why officers don't reach out for help is because they are scared that it's going to cost them their careers. They are scared that it's truly not confidential. So if I ping a phone or if I trace a call and I need to send somebody to a house, who am I sending to that person's house? 
if they're living in that area, it's who they're working with. As soon as somebody shows up to Officer Bob Smith's house, the entire community at large is going to know. And so they're going to say, don't ever call cop line. They can't be trusted. I just went to Bob Smith's house and man, that cost him his career, blah, blah, blah. So I was acutely aware that I was never going to do a rescue line. So what happens when those in the front lines don't know how to handle the trauma associated with our profession? Copline was never set up to be a suicide hotline because I felt that we would miss so many rudders into the etiology of what becomes a suicide. If we don't open these lines to deal with stressors that cops go through, have a safe place to talk to unload without fear of it costing them their career, anybody knowing or anything else, then there's no reason for me to do this. Cops don't call suicide hotlines. And cops don't typically think they're suicidal unless they have a gun in one hand and a bottle of Jack in the other. Going back to my career, I probably should have called the line a couple of times myself. I remember being so stressed and frustrated, and I remember anger being a big part of things. I would get angry about silly things, whether at work or at home, and that anger stemmed from not being able to channel the trauma of the experiences I had during the call of duty. I simply felt like there was no one who could understand or who I could talk with about it. And as a cop, you don't, or, or at least I didn't, want to talk to my family about it because I'm supposed to protect them from those types of things. They weren't the cause of this anger, and I don't want them to be hurt because of this. So I know that those were struggles that I went through, and I wish now that I had known of or had opportunities to talk to somebody that I thought would understand. So we don't even care. If you called up the line, Steve, and you said, person answers, and it's you know, typically cop line, you know, this is Bob, what's going on, that eventually, if you don't say your name, they would say, you know, can I have a name to call you by? And you can choose to be Sam. We don't care. It's not about that. It's about that connection. It's about being able to have somebody on the other end that you are never alone. That is the message. So no matter how small an issue to truly a full-blown mental health crisis, that there is somebody on the other end 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To the officers listening, I hope you hear that you're not alone. There are resources like Copline dedicated to helping you navigate the road ahead and even process what you've already been through. Most importantly, the people on the other end want to help you, specifically. And they're uniquely qualified because they understand exactly what you're dealing with. We don't give advice and we are able to help them literally sit in a hole with them so they're not alone and help them to understand what it is that they're going through. For these retired officers, they are helping the exact population that they wanted, which is law enforcement and their families, and they are truly making a difference. Blue Canary is here to help you tell your stories, and I couldn't do that without the help of some very generous sponsors. Let's take a quick break to hear from one. Help your team rise to increasing expectations with Agency 360's cloud-based software. Whether it is for the training of new employees or annual performance evaluations, Agency 360 can help trainers and supervisors streamline documentation, create consistency, and communicate clearly. 
Help retention by setting the tone and culture early with Agency 360. Learn more at agency360.com. That's A-G-E-N-C-Y 360.com. There are other ways to proactively address some of the trauma we will inevitably face during the course of our career, and one of the ways to combat stress is our physical health. The story you're going to hear next is not about us just sitting around eating donuts and getting fat. No, it's about how we can train our bodies to help combat the weight of this profession. So what should our approach to fitness be? Sean Tiemann is a former cop turned CrossFit expert and advocate. He overcame challenges as an officer trying to balance both work and making time to physically prepare himself in the gym. Here he shares the approach he took then and now as he trains other officers. Consistency is key regardless of what it is that you're doing inside of your fitness. So some days after I got off a shift, especially if it was a long shift and I was tired and had to do a bunch of paperwork or whatever it was, as I still made myself go to the gym and do something. Even if it wasn't 100% effort, I still went in and I moved and I made sure I did that consistently over the long term, which is still what I've been able to maintain myself today, as well as try to preach that to all of our members and our our police officers that we still train now. While Sean hits on specifically working out using weights, cardio, etc., with the goal of being consistent, he's really describing building the habit of health no matter how hard the day was. Now, getting back to those donuts, nutrition is a big part of our overall health. What I can't control as a coach is what you are putting into your mouth as an individual once you leave the gym. The big thing with nutrition is that if you don't have it in your house or available to you, then you're not going to eat it. So a lot of the, you know, the junk type foods or the fast food stuff that's easy to get to is obviously not the best thing to eat as well. So we just like to make sure that whatever it is that you're eating is just quality foods. So we always shoot for lean meats, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar. So we're just trying to make sure that the foods that you're eating are real whole foods and that you're, again, creating a habit pattern of eating those foods consistently, not only throughout the day, but over the long term. And of course, we're all humans. I mean, I still drink beers on the weekend and eat donuts after a heavy training session on Saturday and that kind of stuff. But what you don't want to do is be drinking beers and eating donuts every single day. With some of this context built up around Sean's expertise and his experiences, I asked him to speak directly about the high levels of stress that we run into in law enforcement. Those toxic environments we are in take such a toll on our mental state how does physical fitness impact our mental health? You never know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. And so within specifically CrossFit is we're actually designing workouts that not only tax your physical body, but also your mental body, because we're asking you to do something physically that your body is telling itself not to do once you get so fatigued and tired that it feels like your mind is telling you that you can't accomplish the task anymore. And helps to build your physical aspect, but also the mental aspect of having to do the hard thing when your body and your brain is telling you that you can't accomplish that. CrossFit may not be right for you, but I believe high intensity training is the absolute best training for the police officer's job. Not only just a high intensity training, but a variety of different types of movements inside the high intensity training. So as a law enforcement officer, you don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. So underneath those stress and time constraints inside of a CrossFit style workout, it builds your ability to be able to do all those different tasks and be able to do them really well and not really that long of a period of time. And they're able to do this other stuff inside of training that allows them to be able to function at their job better and react quicker to scenarios that might happen on the fly. And here's the other thing Sean points out. Those departments that focus more on physical health, 
have better interactions with their communities. Every single day in our, inside of our gym, we have, you know, grandmas and grandpas, and we have college kids, and we have police officers working out right alongside each other, able to understand that people are people regardless. We just all have different jobs. When those departments interact that way, then they show that they're not a completely separate thing. Cops aren't robots working outside of a regular community. So I think it's super beneficial when you're able to bring together those two cultures of departments that are pushing towards that fitness and helping to get in and create opportunities for the community to be involved in that at the same time. In ending the conversation with Sean, he reinforces his message for cops, either those starting out or those who've been serving for years. You got to create those habit patterns of some type of movement every day outside of just getting in and out of your, your police car. That's one thing that we have to deal with, especially with our law enforcement officers that have been in for a longer duration of time, is we see a lot of injuries occur just from overuse of being in and out of their car and carrying all of their gear on their belt for so long, right? You sit in your car for X amount of hours a day driving around or doing paperwork at your desk. And the way that the uh, weight is distributed on your duty belt can end up being much more of a detriment. So long-term success for police officers for fitness is just creating a habit pattern and sticking with it for literally for 20 years and hopefully longer than that. So that way you can still live to be healthy and function correctly without pain once you do retire. As we think about the theme of this episode, the truth is you'll face hard days, probably more hard days than easy. You need to be aware of resources to help after you face some trauma that you need to sort through. You also need to think about your health differently to help combat future challenges. We aren't wired differently than others. We've just chosen a road less traveled with a calling to serve the public and our communities. And some days, the hardest thing you'll ever do is put on the uniform. My hope is that when you do, you'll know you have support. And like Stephanie shared, you are never alone. That's the story we have to tell ourselves. Thank you for joining. As always, I'm curious what questions you're getting asked. What isn't the news covering? What story needs to be told? Connect with me at bluecanarypodcast at gmail.com. 